Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single morning, every single morning celebrates the people of the coast of Mississippi and frankly, Mississippi, who are working so hard to make this such a great place to live work and play. Hey, Kyle and I were talking before the show started. We've done a series of uh, of really incredible shows. I, we try to make every day special. But the show we had with Sarah Kirby White, Whiteside just a couple of days ago was one that was very special to Kyle and me. Uh, the, their, their daughter, Kate, has some hearing issues and they're working to to, on legislation in the state legislature that would uh, put put uh, insurance companies in, in a position where they could pay all or part of the cost of hearing aids for you know that I think she mentioned that only 67 young you know chil- children are born in Mississippi with significant um, hearing uh, uh, issues and uh, that conversation has been shared so many times and, I, and I, hundreds and hundreds of views you can tell that it touched a nerve with people. You can tell that Sarah and her husband Cameron and their family have done a terrific job of, of reaching out and working in the trenches to try to make something good happen. And what I love about the story is that they know that Kate may not necessarily benefit from the work that they're doing in the trenches. Uh, she may eventually, but she may not necessarily immediately benefit by any successes, but that other kids who face this in the future Hopefully they'll have um, at least some assistance. You know, Cameron is a is a fireman. Um, uh, Sarah is a pediatric uh, physical therapist. They're you know two hardworking young people trying to raise a family, and when you have to pay three thousand dollar per aid for a child who has hearing issues and all of the issues, you know, you have to replace those every three to five years. And I could go on and on, but it was a it was a special visit. I knew when we got done, Kyle and I were off the air, and I said, "Man, I that was really really a special conversation." And he agreed, and and then of course on Facebook it kind of takes off, and people are being touched by them telling their story. So I just wanted to share that with you. That's one of the reasons we're doing this show and uh, very, uh, very good stuff. Hey, my friend, uh, Angela Geis from, from uh, Biloxi actually lives in LA now. She's doing amazing things in the film industry, uh, doing incredible commercials. She and her husband are just revolutionized the way you operate a business like there's a production company during the pandemic. She posted this. I'm at the age now where I can either do a daytime activity or I can do a nighttime activity, but I can't under any circumstances do both. <laughs> and then she put 100%. And I, I, boy, I've been in that position for quite some time. I just thought that was that was per- perfect. Really, really good. Hey, listen on my show on my Super Talk uh, outdoor show, which runs statewide on the Super Talk network on this past Monday. I gave an update on something that the Secretary of State and I talked about last week, and something I've talked about. I've had a number of shows with uh, with uh, 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 just incredible leaders in this state who were very, very committed to making sure that we have at some point in our, in our near future what is called an outdoor stewardship trust fund. It, I mean, it's, to me, it's a no-brainer. And I know that legislation like this is never a no-brainer. It really isn't. Um, what the bill would do is create, let me, let me talk about the House version of the bill. So there was a version last year 
There were two bills this year. They were reintroduced this year. The two versions this year are very similar to the bill last year, and they're very similar to one another. They passed this year 117 to 4. Last year, they passed the House, the single bill passed the House 117 to 2. But what it would do is create a trust fund that would uh, that would take a portion of sales tax on sporting goods and apply it to the fund. This is called a diversion. Um, what it what the House version would do is grow to about $15 million a year. And it would enable us to capture, and this is one of the main points that I continue to make. It's it's not just the 15 million, but it's the ability to capture incredible amounts, billions of money dollars available on the federal level that could come back to Mississippi. It also could uh, enable us to catch, capture some private matching funds as well. Um, the bill that came out of the Senate last year was was what I refer to as toothless. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. But they never really were able to get together. It really didn't go anywhere. So we had the entire offseason of the legislature to to have this conversation and to come back and think about, you know, what we, you know, what do we want to do and how do we want to accomplish this? Well, unfortunately, the bill that got presented to the legislature this year is essentially the same bill as last year. And there's some there are some key components to it that I just want to bring to your attention. And it's not too late, by the way. We're early in the process. You know, a lot of the legislative process still has to unwind. And uh, so we're not being overly critical at this moment. Just a little disappointed, frankly, that we couldn't make more progress in the Senate version of the bill so that we could be a little bit closer together when this goes to conference. Um, but essentially, if you think about it, and this is the thing that Secretary of State and I talked about, over 80 percent of Mississippi's land is private land. And if you look at what other states are doing with their conservation programs, incidentally, Mississippi is only one of two states in the nation, or excuse me, in the southeast that don't have a conservation trust fund. And rumor has it Louisiana is headed toward having one. So Mississippi may be the last state in the southeast to have a, a trust fund like I'm talking about. But if you think about conservation efforts, you cannot have a viable statewide conservation effort if you don't include private land. And this is one of the conversations, this is part of the conversation that the Secretary of State, Michael Watson, and I had uh, last week. The other thing that, that was not in the Senate version of the bill, that was in the House version of the bill, is that non-governmental organizations can't apply for funds. I mean, th what the point that I made on Monday is that why wouldn't you include conservation experts in the con in the conversation? Why wouldn't you include their innovative efforts and they're involved in innovative efforts all over the country and they're learning from other states? Why wouldn't you empower them and make it competitive and find ways to in to not only embrace them but to enable them to go find federal funds, go find matching funds that would make their programs more viable? Uh, the experience that they've gained is is literally priceless, and we need them to be part of the conversation. They were all at the table with Secretary of State Michael Watson when they talked about how does the state go forward with some kind of really unified plan with all the stakeholders involved, both governmental, non-governmental, and otherwise. How do we go forward in a way that builds a plan for, for conservation in Mississippi that makes this we're us a leader. I've often said on my show, Super Talk Outdoors, I've said it here on Coastview, that Mississippi is the capital of the outdoors in the United States. I mean, you think about what we have available to us in the Delta, in Northeast Mississippi, in the central part of Mississippi, the Gulf Coast. Lord, how mercy. There's not a more diverse opportunity to enjoy the outdoors than here. The last part was no dedicated funding. Does the Senate bill would be based on appropriations. And 
I mean, I, we'll talk in just a minute with our guest about this. But when you consider that most most really viable programs, most conservation efforts that you're going to implement, are not a one and done kind of deal. They take multiple years to implement and appreciate. So the thought of the thought of having to wait for annual appropriations before you can kind of take the next step, that really doesn't make sense, really. It, what we need to be able to do is create a dedicated funding source so multi-year projects can be considered, multi-year projects can be, can be uh, we, we can work to get federal funding and matching funds for those kind of projects, and, um, and, uh, and so on. I think the, the more substantial the project, the more multi-year they are, frankly. So at the end of the day, We've got some work to do in the state to bring the Senate and the House together, and I hope we don't get to where we were last year, where, we, you know, it's the final hour. We can't, you know, can't even. You know, there wasn't even any serious conversations really taking place between the Senate and the House, and we and we nothing happened, and we lost another year of, of looking for net matching funds, and it's really unfortunate. So, we're here again. And it's not too late. The legislative process moves forward. And I hope, I hope that we find not only across the board from the House and the Senate, we, we find the kind of leaders that can come together and create something we can all be excited about that will keep Mississippi the capital of the outdoors in the United States. I pray for conservation leadership. And I couldn't think of a better guest to join me now than Alex Littlejohn. He works with the Nature Conservancy. He's a leader in Mississippi. He's been involved in so many incredible programs here. Uh, he's been on the show multiple times, both here and at uh, Super Talk Outdoors. So uh, anyway, let me, before we go any further, welcome Alex to back to Coast View. How you doing, my friend? Man, I, I wish I was on the coast with you. Yeah, I know you are. I looked out over the water this morning and thought, man. All these different kinds of ducks that finally make their way down yeah. there this time of year—it's yeah. beautiful. So, and by the way, I was working out. Uh, I was working out this morning, and uh, near my bench where I work out, there's a window, and I looked out on the on the lot next door that that we own, and a bald eagle lands in the yard next door, and I'm We're looking. I grab my phone. I'm going to try to take a picture, and before before I could get the picture, it takes off. And I watch it kind of, you know, climb and, you know, fly back into the trees. But, man, the thing stood about three feet tall. It seemed. They were just huge. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, just another great reminder, man, that we live in God's country here in Mississippi. I know you think about that everywhere. You travel all over the state. You're meeting with people constantly all over the state. And there's no corner of this state that doesn't have something special to offer, is there? No, I mean, it I was up in North, Northeast Mississippi earlier or well, later last week, and uh, you think about the toe, the toenails of the Appalachians coming down into Pickwick, and you can catch a smallmouth bass there and just go boating on the Tennessee River and around Pickwick Lake, or you can just run to the coast. And it, the imagery you just described, or you can go spend an evening on the Mississippi River, and then mm -hmm. we're not even talking about everywhere in between the Piney Woods, the Delta, and everywhere else, North, North Mississippi too. But... Mississippi yeah. is a special place, blessed with a lot of unique landscapes. No matter what you enjoy doing, whether it's bird watching or hunting or fishing or canoeing or it doesn't matter, we're the capital of the outdoors in the state in the United States. And uh, you know, as I said on my show before, Coastal, excuse me, uh, uh, Super Talk Outdoors. You may find one thing that's better, but you're not going to find the collection of those dimensions in any state that you can do. As you said on my show, you can go duck hunting one minute and then 
go, go down to the coast and catch a redfish all on the same day. Hey, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the coast, uh, about the Conservation Trust Fund and, uh, and our friend uh, Alex Littlejohn from the Nature Conservancy. See you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. As I mentioned the other day from our for our Facebook and YouTube audience, as, you're, as we're coming out of the break, there's this beautiful picture from Moses Pier showing, I guess, a sunrise. It must have been morning. Is that what it was, Kyle? Give me a nod. Was that a morning that you were at Moses Pier? Yeah, that's like 6 o'clock in the morning. What a beautiful picture. What a, so, so many beautiful perspectives of coastal Mississippi. But we're talking about the Outdoor Stewardship F- F- Trust Fund, something that I have talked about on this show for a year now and uh, has spent some time on Super Talk Outdoors talking about it. Mississippi needs to be a leader, and we need leaders to step forward and help us get this fund in place, a dedicated fund that will enable us to get matching funds to do so many different incredible innovative projects focused on wildlife conservation. And, and there are other aspects to it as well. But at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about here. And I've got Alex Littlejohn from the Nature Conservancy with me today. Um, Alex, you spend a lot of time talking about this, don't you? I do. It's um, when, I, when I joined the Nature Conservancy, it was one of the what I'd call foundational pieces that I realized we were lacking in Mississippi when I saw what other states were doing and being successful at doing. And really it was a, it was a particular grant, North American wetland conservation grant that we were writing here that was doing some work up in the Delta around Matthews break. And we didn't do well in the first round. We didn't do well in the second round. So three years in, it took us that long. And I said, well, what, what are we doing wrong? And I knew the knew the project was sound. I knew the project was impactful. Well, to compete well, you have to have matching funds, non-federal matching funds. And we thought we had great matching funds. You know, we were bringing $2 to the table and asking for a dollar. Well, what other states are bringing is $5, $6 to the table and asking for one. And so you, you, competitively, you're at extreme disadvantage when you look at the Carolinas, the Florida, the Arkansas, um, Tennessee, Alabama, and, and probably potentially Louisiana here in the near future. When you see what they're dedicating and, and making significant investments in their states for conservation efforts. Well, you know, what, I've, what I don't hear, and maybe I'm missing it. What I don't hear our state leaders talking about is the matching fund aspect to this. To me, that's one of the biggest parts. You you mentioned, see, for me, it's you 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 put a dollar in, you get several dollars back, and that's yeah. going to make you in a, put you in a position where you can do bigger projects. But what you were saying adds a, even another dimension to it, which means when we go out and we're being competitive for projects, we we're not, we're not, we're falling short because we're not able to prove the matching fund component. Uh, this is a big deal. And why, why do you think we're not talking more about that? Well, I think it's, you know, you got to realize we're, 
this is legislation in its second year that's being proposed in a session. So that's the exciting part is that, you know, leadership is now making this a priority. They've highlighted that, hey, we hear you. This is a priority and um, we're going to try to move it forward. But much like what we learned in Secretary Watson's Conservation Task Force, you know, that's, a, that's a group that he's pulled together that's two dozen federal, state, charitable conservation organizations, private businesses that are in this world every day. And 80% of them when surveyed highlighted this as the number one need. And yeah. they're seeing it from the same points we are. And he, when you talk with that crowd, we estimate that we estimate that Mississippi's missing out on roughly 40 to $60 million a year. Um, over 10 years, that's half a billion dollars. Uh, that's, that's significant. And, and I'll give you an example of that. Uh, there's, a, there's a program in the Farm Bill called the Regional Conservation Program. When you look at that average that other states get uh, every year from the program, it's about $6 million, give or take. When you look at the average Mississippi, gets it's about $300,000 and it's $300,000 because that particular program requires matching funds to complete the the conservation initiatives that the program is designed to do well there's 5.7 million dollars right there out of that one program and there's there's dozens more just like that so yeah you know over 10 years half a billion dollars being left on the table that we're not being preview to is is significant dollars well, when you look, Michael Michael Watson, again, Secretary of State Michael Watson, and I talked about this group that you were involved in. Um, he really wanted to understand from the group. And again, very diverse group, great group. We had non-governmental, governmental, both state and federal. It was incredible. And you had some consultants, had a large, I mean, a lot of people who have stakeholders from different dimensions. When you can, when you can get to a point where you agree in the survey results, uh, over 80%, as you pointed out, for things, for example, the lack of resources needed to address conservation issues on private land. And we cannot, again, if you if you take water that people own, it's more like 90% of land is owned by, by, yeah. by private citizens. You can't have a serious conservation program if you don't have... Uh, use private land. We could we could go on. We'll list some of these others here in a second. But in my reading of the Farm Bill, for example, since 1985, the most successful program programs are the CRP program and the WRP program. Yeah. Tremendous. I mean, the average hunter. If you think about CRP, you know, we know in WRP, if you're a duck hunter and obviously you're you're a deer hunter as well, you know the term CRP. A lot of people call it WRP CRP. But at the end of the day, you know what it is. It's yeah. taking farmland or land, usually it's farmland, and it's and it's bringing it back into some sort of wildlife habitat scenario. And we have done an incredible job across the state of taking advantage of that. What we're talking about here is something kind of similar to that, but 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 led by the state. And it could take many, many, many different forms. Uh, but that's a good example, isn't it? That's a great example. That's one of the most successful farm bill programs Um in the history, in, in my opinion, uh, when Senator Cochran was originally drafting some of that legislation, I mean, I, he knew that the most, the, the largest impact you could have for conservation is through incentives that, you know, incentivizing the private landowner to, to do conservation on their own land. And he knew the need was there. He knew the want was there, but, you know, your average individual out there 
doesn't know how to do a prescribed burning plan. They don't know how to restore wetlands. They don't know how to replant bottomland hardwoods or longleaf pine or whatever the needs may be that, that also lend itself to decreased uh, erosion and cleaner water and better wildlife habitat and a numerous amount of other benefits that it gives. But it's the incentivizing the private landowner voluntarily that's shown itself to be the most impactful form of conservation day in, day out. Well, as you know, I, I lease three separate farms up in the Mississippi Delta, and I and I said this before. I can't imagine uh, not having the kind of relationship I have with uh, with Travis and his brother Clinton and the Dunn family, who we lease land from, and Lee Abraham, who sure. we lease lease land from. Uh, I can't imagine not having the kind of relationship we have with them because it, it, I've been able to see myself the role that farmers can play in helping create wildlife habitat. And um, and what this is, you know, and we do that every year. But what this is about is taking all of that to a whole new level, to create new incentives to be able to do that. So, such it's very similar to the way that the CRP program moved forward. You know, I I I see too. You guys talking at length about the need for dedicated funding. You can't. You heard what I said at the beginning of the show about about multi-year projects. If you had if you had to wait on annual appropriations, that would really get in the way of being able to do some very significant multi-year projects, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's it's when you when you do one off. We see this a lot, though. I mean, we see one off opportunities come and go at state levels across the U.S. and and really the way the best analogy I heard it described as it's like parking your football team until the fourth quarter and just not playing for the first three, but at the fourth quarter, you're going to go out there and try to win the game. And it's just whatever that end goal that you're trying to achieve, it's sometimes for these opportunities at the, at the federal level, it takes, it takes two or three years to put the program together and two to three years to get it funded. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're not, when you're lacking that longevity, that long-term investment, you lack the ability to plan and think ahead, and then you lose some innovation too. And so we're seeing that with other states. We're seeing it when they're given the chance to really sit down and think about how they want a program to look, whatever the program is trying to address. The long-term ones that have some significant backing and consistent backing, reoccurring funding, are the ones that are always most successful. And Alice, when you, in the short time we have left, when you think about the role that you played specifically as it related to the Phil Bryant WMA, and other, so many other examples across this state. I mean, and that's just your organization. There are non-governmental organizations focused on conservation all over the state that are doing incredible work. But why would you purposely block non-governmental organizations from being involved? I don't understand. What have you heard the reason for that is? Well, I like to think that, you know, these charitable conservation groups like ourselves and others, uh, DU, the Land Trust, Gulf Coast Plain, and, and others, I mean, we're in this world every day and we've got expertise that we're trying to learn how to do our jobs better, how to achieve conservation better. And so we're looking for who out there is achieving that and how they're doing it. So you're losing expertise by not allowing, you know, these particular groups to, to participate. And when you, when you don't allow them to participate, you're losing your impact. And so if you're not having the impact, you know, you're, you're losing ground there too. I get it so clearly, my friend. I know you and I are singing from the same hymnal for sure, but we'll watch this bill very closely. We're hoping that leaders step forward, that we can find a compromise that works, that doesn't dis uh, uh, disclude, uh, if that's a word, 
uh, uh, private land that creates it. We need a dedicated funding mechanism. We need non-governmental organizations to be involved in this. Anyway, Alex, thank you very much. I appreciate you, my friend. Yeah, same here. And it's a, it's a good time to be in Mississippi and be talking about conservation. It really is. It really is. When we come back, we'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.